when we think about the concept of voluntary work or the concept of voluntary poverty a distinctive feature of modern times is the extent to which we tend to devote our belief lives brief lives to making or aspiring to make money we worry as we approach the end of our education we worry throughout our working years and we worry in retirement a large part of mental life is made up of anxious thoughts about our financial positions however it's important to know that our worry about money is in most countries at this point in history typically disconnected from any issues of survival we could keep going as at almost everyone who ever lived has done on much less than we have what drives us to accumulate is a psychological necessity not a material one we are under the sway of a powerful cultural force our sense of being able to think well of ourselves has become equated with an ability to generate an impressive income earning healthy sums isn't so much practically important as emotionally significant it's grown to be our chief makers of decency we operate with the background conviction that a failure to make money could only arise from some form of moral and metaphysical inadequacy a poverty would have to be a sign that someone was too unreliable self-indulgent timid irresponsible or stupid to thrive in the marketplace and yet history reveals plenty of highly instructive examples of people who made self-conscious deliberate unapologetic decisions to embrace a modest income in the name of other goals people who pulled off the feat of managing to think well of themselves despite being poor they were followers of a concept known as voluntary poverty in the term sounds paradoxical or even perverse it is because our own era has difficulties imagining that anyone could ever sanely enter into voluntary relationship with something as appalling as having little money we can only picture ourselves as having a bravely to put up with poverty never as opting for it if there was so much as the slightest element of choice history suggests something different the outstanding representative of voluntary poverty in classical times was the roman statesman lucius quiscius cincinnatus i am sorry i don't know how to pronounce that in honor of whom the us city of cincinnati is named cincinnatus came from a prestigious but impoverished family he had a very successful public career but being honorable and very honest had never made any money out of his service then tiring of the shabby deals and devious self-seeking of his colleagues he had retired early to a small farm where he worked his own land and earned out a modest living the roman cincinnatus bare-chested weighed up whether to remain a farmer or head back to politics at this point rome was still a republic but a far from mighty one in 458 BC as had often happened before one of the neighboring tribes launched a major invasion that threatened to annihilate the state in desperation the government envoy was dispatched to Cincinnatus begging him to return to Rome adopt unlimited power and see of the threat Cincinnatus was surprised in the act of ploying his field bare-chested he thought of the offer for a few minutes weighed up his longing for a quiet agricultural life against the urgent need of his nation and then asked his wife Priscilla to fetch his toga from a cupboard in his simple cottage he accepted the role of temporary dictator and rapidly succeeded in repe- repelling the attack on the rome giving his triumph everything was now open to him cincinnatus could have held on to his position as dictator and accumulated boundless wealth 
but this was not his way he loved his family and his life as a farmer far too much so he resigned and returned home to his plow and his few acres he chose voluntary poverty over luxury and grandeur what motivated cincinnatus was an intelligent and discerning sense of what truly brought him contentment marble palaces and gold might have carried prestige but when cincinnatus examined his subjective sources of pleasure he realized that what actually satisfied him was getting up early in the morning to water his oxen watching his fields slowly ripen and chatting with his wife and children after physically exhausting but rewarding days under the sun cincinnatus enduring legacy was to be a man of opportunity who took the trouble to realize that there were things he loved more than money in modern times it's a very different era the canadian artist agnes martin similarly discovered that he had greater concerns than pursuit of wealth after college rather than seeking properly played employment martin began an itinerant life firstly in new york and then in the deserts of new mexico then he built herself largely by her own hands a tiny mud brick house where she dwelt in through the most austere way wearing only the roughest clothes subsisting on a bare diet of cheese and fruit and paying no attention at all to money devoting herself into instead to producing some of the simplest and most beautiful works of art ever made ironically by the end of her life martin had accumulated enormous sums through her paintings each of which sold for a few million dollars but she couldn't care less a treat for her was to head to a local diner to have an omelet with a friend it wasn't so much that martin hated money just that she had discovered something that was far more precious to her than material accumulation the gentle tranquility of the mind that she experienced when creating canvases made up of repeated rhythmic curl patterns and lines against colored backgrounds delicate pencil marks in just based with bands of muted pinks or blues our preoccupation with money feels highly respectable but it has a poignant and unexpected cause we keep wanting more money than we need and would be extension feel deeply embarrassed about having to rely on old clothes or a simple house because we haven't as yet identified a passion that could matter to us sufficiently to replace money making in our minds We haven't found that farming was to Cincinnatus or painting was to Martin. We haven't yet discovered the real reason why we are alive. It's not that we don't have such reasons. They're inside us and always have been. We carry a range of authentic allegiances for which we could in theory give up so much of our financial appetite. Passions are not only for a few highly unusual individuals. We all have them and used to engage with them when we were small children and knew how to play. It's just that the prevailing ideology of modernity doesn't invite us to work out what our real love might be. Nothing in our education system allows us to imagine that discovering a few things that matter more than money is the root of genuine contentment and freedom. It's understandable if we get nervous about untethering ourselves even to a limited extent from conventional views about money and our worth as individuals. It is painfully normal to be terrified of how others will react if we cannot generate a standard respectable answer to the question, what do you do? We have learned to doubt our right to lead the kind of life we long for and deserve. Our standard resignation suggests the path we would need to take to free ourselves the clearer we can be in our own minds about our true passion the more we can start to see money and the socially sanctioned praise it brings with us
from a more realistic perspective money is a mechanism or a means that at best enables us to do the thing we love nothing more or less it is not or should not be a route to liking ourselves more or an end in itself we will be able to choose poverty voluntarily we will be able freely to forego luxuries comforts and the prestige of being prosperous once we focus our lives on what authentically matters to us we will fall out of love with money the more we learn to fall in love with something else farming music service writing god quiet evenings at home or the painting of slow delicate lines across a pale pink canvases